0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener
2: discretion is advised.
1: Back to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. Don't worry, we're not high today. I'm your host, registered nutritionist Pixie Turner, <laughs> and I'm cardiothoracic surgeon Dr. Nikki Stamp. Um, this week, we will
2: continue our journey through the new Netflix documentary series Unwell, watching each episode and dissecting some of the absolutely insane wellness practices that they cover. And this week, we're taking a trip into well
1: we're tripping for mental health apparently we are and yeah sadly we are not high for this which means we had to suffer through the entire thing this episode is called ayahuasca Ayahuasca, which talks about a specific brew of leaves that has been used for years by First Nations people from places like Peru. Psychedelics in general are gaining popularity. It is something I've seen a lot of, this interest in psychedelics like Mm -hmm. mushrooms for mental health, to treat serious mental illness, or just to live and work every day a bit better than you currently are. But is it all it's cracked up to be? (laughs) Cracked. Nice.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. So many double entendres. Um, Look, yeah, look, psychedelics are just another thing that I think has been massively touted as as a cure-all. But, you know, let's be honest, it's not completely straightforward. It's not completely proven. So let's get stuck into this episode. And why don't we start with saying, what exactly, what is ayahuasca? So ayahuasca, I'd never heard of it before. Same. Never heard of it before in my life. Like I, I've heard of psychedelics. I know about acid and LSD and magic mushrooms and... You know, all those kinds of like pretty commonplace things. But ayahuasca is really interesting because it has a lot of religious significance um, in, in South America. but ayahuasca is a South American brew made from two different plants, the vine of one plant and the leaves of another plant. But the composition isn't always consistent because it can you can substitute different plants in, in certain certain circumstances. But there's two major components to ayahuasca. The first one is called DMT or dimethyltryptamine, which has psychedelic properties, uh, and it also contains a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which we actually use and sometimes still do use, not commonly, for antidepressants because uh, they basically increase levels of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is a, a hormone, a chemical messenger that make, basically makes you feel good. Yeah, it's basically the precursor to SSRIs like Prozac. Correct, yes, exactly. So SSRIs came along, they're safer and probably more effective than, than um, monoamine oxidase inhibitors. But ayahuasca contains both of those compounds and it's drunk as a tea, which, oh my God, looked revolting. It looks like it looks like tar mixed with feces, I think would be an accurate description. And a bit
1: of spirulina thrown in for good measure. Right? It looked really revolting.
2: Um, yeah, it looks so gross. So that that's what ayahuasca is. It's a psychedelic. Now, interestingly... I I I thought this was really fascinating. Is that it's they're obviously going to talk about how just random Joe blogs off the street is using this to make themselves feel better or treat their depression and so on and so forth, but that's not actually how Ayahuasca is supposed to be used. It's not how it originated, and it actually started in a much more traditional fashion.
1: Yeah, and it's really interesting because we are introduced to this by someone in Peru saying, the Western world is fucked. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, that's kind of accurate. The entire world is actually pretty fucked. Everything is fucked. We're all fucked. And uh, <laughs> what happens is that because a lot of white people decide they need to find themselves, they go to places like Peru and are trying to self-actualize. And as a result, it is really good business. And I think that's important to point out because let's not forget that the wellness industry in general is big business massive yeah massive massive trillions (laughs) of dollars so traditionally what happens is that it's the shaman who actually drinks the ayahuasca not Mm -hmm. the patient it is not Mm -hmm. actually medicine for the patient what happens is that the shaman drinks this as a way to bring them closer to this kind of spiritual realm and as a result they then they then chant and it's these, ch- these chants and these, and these cantations that are in front of the patient and to the patient that mm. ends up actually being what is seen as the medicine and what is actually curative. It mm-hmm. is not the case that the patient drinks the ayahuasca. Mm. However, when the tourists come along, the tourists are drinking it for $2,000 a piece because tourists love drugs. They are going and drinking this shit. Yeah, exactly. Look which which
2: is really brings up the fact that Tourists, and particularly white tourists, love going and screwing up local infrastructure and local systems and local religion. And you know, it made me really sad that, that it looked like just Westerners are, are, are taking over. But of course, uh, of course, like most Westerners, um, people who have gone and had ayahuasca then take it back to places like the United States. Why do you keep disappointing us, United States? And infinite <laughs> capacity, disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know they take it back to to churches. Um, they call them churches where where people people drink it regularly, and it's completely removed from its its origins in this
1: very religious, very traditional sense. Oh, let's be clear, by the way, that they are doing this in a quote-unquote church because they found a loophole, because ayahuasca is an illegal substance in the U.S., so they found, they tried to find a legal loophole by claiming they're a church and that ayahuasca is part of their spiritual practice, and that would therefore make them exempt from this. Now, they actually filed for this and haven't received a reply, so they decided instead of being cautious and waiting until they got that exemption, they're just gonna keep doing it anyway, which... I guess, does that make it technically illegal?
2: Not only are they continuing to do it, they're talking about the fact that they're continuing to do it outside of the law on a documentary. Like really, not too sharp, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly not. Do you know one of the really interesting things that I, I sort of picked up on when they were talking about this to begin with is that someone who's who's like a big proponent of ayahuasca you know, when people feel like there was a lady, it was in South America, a lady who, was, who cooks the leaves and prepare, prepares the leaves and sells like tons of them to to people, including uh, Westerners, uh, tourists in in the region, that she says, I feel like I've played a really positive part in these changes. And I was like, you know what? In wellness, everyone is very quick to claim that something went went right and something went well. But notice how nobody ever says... Geez, I really feel like I've played a part in the negative outcome like someone dying or someone getting cancer or dying from their cancer or someone getting an eating disorder.
1: No one ever takes responsibility for that part of it now, do they? You are so right. My God, (laughs) you are so correct on this. How (sighs) fucked up is that? Are we surprised though? I am not, to be honest. I am really, really not So we go through, as usual with these kinds of documentaries, we talk to a whole bunch of people. And these are all people who are in the US Mm -hmm. having this experience at this not so technically maybe legal church. And it tries to ask the question of could ayahuasca actually be helpful? And they try and answer this by presenting us one person who was an alcoholic, one person who was a heroin addict, and one who was, I believe, a a, a veteran who had been charged with murder at some point. So my immediate concern was that they're substituting one addiction or coping mechanism for another in a not so healthy way.
2: Yes, absolutely. I guess it's probably just a, a quick segue into um, into hallucinogens or, or psychedelic drugs, and whether or not they are, you know, are useful um, at, at treating um, mental illness. So, I suppose just to just to have a, a quick quick overview, there are lots of different types. Of, of psychedelic medication or psychedelic drugs. So probably one that people are most familiar with would be LSD. You know, it was really popular in the 60s and, and 70s. It had a really, really bad name unsurprisingly because people were having like bad trips and all kinds of you know really nasty um nasty effects so that's that's lsd it's very very highly regulated a lot of research was going into into the utility of lsd in a psychiatric field at the time but because it became illegal it was probably did have some political undertones you know we know that that is the case with a lot of illicit substances there's a lot of pressure from societal political outfits but anyway lsd D is not necessarily a particularly friendly drug for everybody. So there was that one. There's psilocybin, which is uh, magic mushrooms or shrooms, which uh, is, is another one that's been fairly well researched in terms of um, psychiatric conditions. And of course, there is MDMA, which is uh, ecstasy, another one that's got good research. Ayahuasca is probably the least researched um, psychedelic for its mental health benefits, but if we're looking broadly at the use of psychedelics in, in mental illness, it's been looked at for you know mood disorders like depression, been looked at for addiction, smoking cessation, anxiety, pain, all these kinds of things. The general feeling is that it has potential. That is the general feeling. However... There are potentials for abuse of, of these drugs, so people using you know using them in a dangerous or unsafe fashion or regularly. That it it needs to be done in a monitored setting. Now, monitored setting is not a pseudoscience church and church in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. It's monitored by a psychiatrist because there are dangerous side effects. And of course, we also need to, to understand that there are people who should never in a million years be um, anywhere near the, near these medications. So that can include people who are on other kinds of psychiatric medications or who have other underlying, underlying uh, medical conditions. But look, you know, all in all, the research is, is still sort of in, in its early days. The benefits are certainly promising. The risks are unknown. And I think that's, that's really important to, to state.
1: Absolutely. And they talk to a neuroscientist who makes some really good points, but he Mm -hmm. does also sound a little bit too much like Deepak Chopra places to me. There's a bit of a word salad going on there. He's had ayahuasca. hundred percent drunk it. I am pretty sure you're right there for <laughs> sure. Now, he's doing some interesting uh, studies on treatment resistant depression, which I thought was really interesting for them to include. And in theory, I think that sounds pretty great because, you know, medication isn't always going to be the answer for everybody. I mean, ideally, I'm very strongly believe that we ideally need therapy to be accessible and available to everyone completely free of stigma. Yep, agree. But I also acknowledge that therapy is out of reach for many because of stigma or because it's just it, it can be expensive. And so that's not going to be a realistic goal for everybody either. And so I think these kinds of studies, whether it's on ayahuasca or on LSD, ketamine, MD, whatever it is, I think it's kind of exciting. So far from what this neuroscientist said, the beneficial effects that may come from ayahuasca last for seven days. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need something a bit more long term before I am sold on this idea. I'm going to need something a bit more long term than seven days. But I think the potential, I do think it's quite exciting, to be honest. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting. I agree. I agree. But I think,
2: you know, it's not you know, I wouldn't be uh, putting all my eggs in this basket either. That That is for sure. And again, I certainly wouldn't be doing it in an, un- in an unsupervised, unsafe fashion. Yeah. And we do see from it, we do hear from a psychiatrist who has a lot of research in this area who said that psychedelics can be good, but they're not for everyone. And he's seen, you know, over a hundred cases of serious negative outcomes. And they're not, we're not talking about, like a bit of an itch or you know something like something small you know people with psychosis people with something called serotonin syndrome particularly if they're on a, uh, another antidepressant like an SSRI, so it's things like Prozac. Serotonin syndrome is pretty dangerous when you basically get an overload of serotonin. It can be fatal if it's untreated. Um, you can get unbelievably high blood pressure. You can induce psychosis in someone who has had either previous psychotic tendencies or someone who maybe has an underlying predisposition that they didn't know about. These are not small things. This is, again, I, I, I think we're that, that is really the, the crux of, of psychedelics for this. They're interesting, but we don't know enough yet. And yeah, you're not going to go through all of this for seven days.
1: <laughs> the people who are doing this kind of thing are often quite desperate. Yeah, I really understand that. We talked to this one woman, Angela Murray, who says that if everything else has failed, what do you have to lose? And she is she's right. I mean, I totally get that. And her story is really awful. Her husband killed her daughter and then himself, and she so sank bad. into a depression. Where and then eventually she found uh, she found people talking about this drug on a veteran support group, and she says that she tried it once. She's not cured. She still has depression, so she's going back for more. Yeah. We also talked to Mio M- okay, who has taken this drug sixty-five fucking times, which is a lot. Yeah. And she was she was also quite interesting because she she had. Oh, God, what was it? She has something called scleroderma. So scleroderma is...
2: It's a like an autoimmune condition where people get basically kind of like scarring or fibrosis of a lot of a lot of organs, their skin, blood vessels, lungs. I've transplanted people with scleroderma; they get problems with the esophagus. It's a really potentially very debilitating and very dangerous condition. It tends to to affect women. And she was pretty well, well. She's kind of like bed, not bed bound, but she was like you know
1: wheelchair bound, wasn't she? She was. No, she was. She said she was bedridden the first time that she tried this, and so she thought she had. Had nothing to lose and then she said you could walk while the effects of the drug were still strong and then she couldn't again and over repeated doses she regained her ability to move. Interestingly she also says though that she was sexually abused Uh, when she was younger and she feels that the drug helped her to process the trauma thereby healing her body. Now this Mm. is really interesting. I I do have a very special and strong interest in trauma and I mean there is a lot about trauma and PTSD for example that doesn't always make sense. I mean we have this treatment called EMDR Mm -hmm. which literally just involves moving your eyes from side to side and that actually can really help process trauma really quickly. Brains are weird there is a lot that doesn't make sense and there is a link between trauma and bodily responses because it is true that emotions are stored in the body in a certain way. I mean, for example, there is a fascinating statistic that children who have experienced trauma are 50 times more likely to be diagnosed with asthma. So Mm. this I found actually a really interesting story because there is a connection between these things. I would obviously not go so far as to say that this drug is a cure for these things or that it could should be recommended at this point especially because the downsides and the risks are really really intense yeah and we see this quite clearly when we get to watch people going through this process of eating or drinking this drug
2: so yeah so we wind up back at soul quest ayahuasca church um so just to I suppose come back and give you a bit of background on this. This place claims to have treated 9,000 people. I don't know why they say treated, right? They're not a goddamn hospital. I'm so sick of them like misappropriating that that term. Anyway, 9,000 people since 2015 and it's a church based on South American religious condition uh, traditions rather. And I was like, yeah, but it's run by a white dude. They apparently do have some People from Brazil and Peru there. So, you know, they haven't completely stolen a culture, just a little bit. So, this is a place that are kind of breaking the law. But we see a ceremony. But I think we need to give some background about this ceremony because (laughs) they had someone die. They had someone die Mm -hmm. at their church during an ayahuasca ceremony. And what they say is that someone had a seizure and they died, a young man. And the coroner's report said that it was caused by hyponatremia which is a really 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 low level of sodium in the blood which can very seriously impact the brain which they said was from drinking too much water which could be doing because one of the first things that happens when you drink ayahuasca is that you hurl your guts up something cruel The, the the thing that was most concerning for me about this is that the investigation showed that the church members why are they calling themselves a church too? Um, so the people there tried to help for three hours, three hours with a seizing person before calling an ambulance. Here, just going to intervene with a little public service announcement. If you or someone else has used drugs and something bad happens, call an ambulance. They will not arrest you. They are just there to treat the person who needs the help, Okay. Now this is not an isolated case of someone who, who has died using ayahuasca, and you know sadly they, they you know there's a whole bunch of like news reports if you if you Google it, but anyway this one this one particularly the this they said that um, the coroner said that the foreign substances and chemicals involved in the soul cleansing weekend cannot be ruled in or out as causative or contribut- contributory to death. That doesn't mean that they've been like you know given a free pass they didn't contribute to it that just means that we can't necessarily prove that 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 was you know that, that he got died from the ayahuasca however say it was pretty safe to say had he not had ayahuasca he probably wouldn't have died mm-hmm. and this is when i got like really annoyed The the guy the church guy says oh that was such a painful time for me and my team oh oh i'm so sorry what about the family of the guy who died i mean the arrogance of these people is just astounding but yeah. one good thing that came of it, you know, and I think this is just, just, again, just the bare minimum, that as a result of that person dying, they hired a paramedic and an EMT to pre-screen people to make sure that they didn't have any medical conditions, to um, they weren't taking any medications, they would check their blood pressure and so on and so forth to make sure that there was no, no reasons why they shouldn't be, you know, participating in the ayahuasca. So that's the background and then we get to see an ayahuasca ceremony including the lady who had um including some of the people that we met first you know in the first sort of 10-15 minutes of the film and including the lady whose um, husband really sadly shot himself and their daughter
1: yeah and the people have a really interesting response to this idea of throwing up that much They feel like they're purging harmful aspects of themselves and their lives. And Mm. you know what, symbolically, I mean, symbolically, it kind of makes sense in a way. It's partly why, you know, detoxes uh, are seen as being like a really, it has the same kind of narrative of this kind of detoxing thing. That we obviously see in in less extreme ways is that it's a way of cleansing yourself and getting rid of those nasty bits in your body. And in this case, it's 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 you know it's quite symbolic in a mm-hmm. in a psychological way as well. But following that, people have the they so they have this period where they throw up, and then they get this period where oh they start to see things. That's where the visual part of the brain is really lit up, and there's a lot of lot going on. People see memories. People see symbols of all sorts of strange things people have a mad trip basically mm. but we also see we see a woman having a bad reaction on camera and it's really scary to watch they're saying you know oh is she has she stopped breathing make sure she's still breathing she stopped breathing she stopped breathing and then and then they say they say literally on camera what do you want to do I'm like is that a fucking question you call an ambulance you call an ambulance call an ambulance Oh my god, call an ambulance and the next morning we interview her and she says she feels like it was a bit of a waste. Yeah. And she's terrified at the idea of trying it again. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and and she has thousands of dollars in hospital bills. Yes. Exactly. Really problematic. Yeah. Now, one thing that I did like is that they have a therapy session the next morning to debrief. And I think that is so important. And I, you know, I can't imagine how much that helps. Yeah. You see people getting really emotional, being very open, very vulnerable, crying, talking about their experiences and... That is so important. It is so important for them to have that. I don't condone the entire experience, but that part of it, I think, is such an important move to allow people to process and debrief about what's happening. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I guess, you know, one of the things we've
2: kind of alluded to already is that this this practice has ayahuasca specifically, other psychedelics have lots of other different roots. You know, sometimes people just want to get high. But, you know, ayahuasca has really strong religious um, relevance to spiritual. The, spiritual, I think, yeah. Spiritual is probably a better word. You're right spiritual significance to people in South America and we do take a trip back to Peru for like this horrific story which is told um, by a journalist who uh, talks about leads into this by saying that the practice of ayahuasca has really lost its sort of traditional sense now that there's a there's a whole bunch of people tourists who are using this and they're not you know they're not having the necessary preparations that the shaman would have had you know when it was done traditionally and they tell the story of a local woman by the name of Olivia who was murdered who was shot on the doorstep of her home Um, and she was a very important figure in that community and she was apparently shot by a Canadian man who had a bad reaction to ayahuasca and it it's revealed that he probably was taking um, uh, other um, medications uh, for depression at the same time,
1: antipsychotic
2: and antipsychotics. Correct. And anyway, he, he he had a bad reaction. He killed her, and then as as a result of that, he was lynched on video by locals as revenge. I was like, what? What a terrible story. Nothing good came of that story. You have someone uh, you know important local figure murdered, you have a young guy who was, you know, tripping around the world, who killed someone and then was murdered himself on video. And then you have four people, four local people who were apparently prosecuted for strangling him. Like what is well, this is so bad. This is what happens when you kind of disrupt, I don't want to say the natural order, but you know the when you go in and, and culturally appropriate things like this that we don't know anything about, it was absolutely awful. This this part of the story,
1: yeah, and I think cultural appropriation is the right term for this. Mm-hmm. They say how quote, whenever Westerners get to a place, we take over, we take it for us and transform it. Yep. And I think you know that is unfortunately really accurate. Yeah. And actually beyond this also happens a lot in the wellness industry. Now, this is something that I have written about in the sense that The wellness industry likes to take a lot of various foods and practices from other cultures and separates them entirely from the traditions from where they came and makes it purely into a health thing. So for example, maca being something that apparently, again, in ancient Peru was consumed. We don't have a lot of research for this and it's taken then to the UK or to other, you know, other various cultures, like places like the UK, like the US, Mm -hmm. where there are a lot of white people let's be honest and it's taken out of that original context completely mm. we've done it with you know with 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 sage burning and things like that it's com- taken away completely especially also with things like yoga yoga great example mm. most yoga teachers now are white and a lot of them don't have a lot of understanding around the origins and the practices where yoga has come from or what it actually means in that sense and you know things like matcha matcha is a great example of this now matcha is 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 part of a a kind of a a ceremony Mm. in in places like japan and when we take we've taken it to places like the uk and it's you know matcha latte matcha donuts it's just made into a health fad yeah and there's no mention of the original practice where it's come from what so ever it's a kind of cultural appropriation I see it as a kind of food colonization basically isn't that with um
2: with quinoa as well like quinoa you know it's become so popular as a like a superfood and a health food that um and it comes from a very specific you know area very specific region so much so it's become so popular that the um viability of the crops are at risk
1: yeah I that's concerning isn't it that's really concerning right but but, but as long as we get our superfood. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like we see a local healer says that Westerners want to take everything from them, including their spirituality, and you know what? He is not wrong.
2: Yeah, I
1: agree. I, I
2: thought that was really uncomfortable. I think that people doing this should really take a, a long, hard look at themselves and think about life outside of their own little sphere. And I'm not saying the people who are doing it because they're, they're desperate for treatment for, you know, like we said there's some people who have some really you know dreadful life events that have had have happened to them and they get some relief from it from the people uh, i think i mentioned earlier on this you know so called church in the united states you know it was run by a, a white dude you know what does he know about <laughs> south american spirituality it just it was sort of everything that's kind of wrong with with the western world and You know, it made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I think that's a good thing because I think you should, we should reflect on the kind of the damage that we do in the world in the pursuit of, you know, wellness, so-called wellness.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially when people are, you know, completely taking this out of context I get the desperation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with that necessarily because I think that is that is difficult, that is complex. But when you see these people who want to, quote, find themselves going to Peru and really, you know, paying $2,000 to take this, this drug and then, you know, shit happens like having a bad trip and mm. accidentally murdering a mm. healer. Like, no, at that, at that point, we need to seriously consider what the fuck are we doing here?
2: yeah oof, yeah I agree. So here's a question for you did you did this film make you
1: more or less likely to be curious about this kind of treatment? So at the beginning, more curious, by the end, I was put off.
2: Same. Same, so put off, like so put off. Not look, and just to be very clear, we don't advocate for. Um, for <laughs> no, this is purely hypothetical. This is hypothetical. You know, please observe your local laws, um, but uh, and stay safe as well. But I, I, I felt the same. I was like, you know, it just, I, I just don't find the the ideal of idea of hurling my guts up to be you know at all appealing so I think that was really interesting I'd love to know what other people think about that Mm -hmm. like did if you saw this or if you've heard us talk about this or if you just heard about you know mentions of psychedelics in you know in general uh, as being something that's you know useful for uh, mental illness or if it's something that you know you just want to try because microdosing is another thing um, that's supposed to make you more creative and more effective at your job you know would you try that but, you know, in, in terms of the overall, aside from the completely putting me off, not that I was that keen anyway, but, you know, I, I feel like this was another one where um, they didn't really provide as much balance as I would like to see. I feel like they kind of like alluded to the fact that problems can happen Um, And actually, this is where I feel like a narrator would have been really useful. So for example, when we actually see the woman like stop breathing during the ayahuasca ceremony at the American church, I feel like that would be the time when a narrator would jump in and be like, this is serious. This woman has stopped breathing the church members aren't doing anything mm-hmm. um it just kind of if you're not paying attention to it I feel like it could slip by as like oh she she just didn't have a great time yeah like you're so um, right rather than you know right mentioning it for the seriousness that it actually is but yeah I just I, I think again they just didn't provide enough balance there was not enough um sort of there's not enough mention from experts you know one thing that I I really love I really enjoy that they they talked about the cultural appropriation though I think that was a really important thing and it's something that as we've just sort of alluded to is is not really spoken about enough in wellness wellness circles
1: yeah I mean I absolutely concur with all of that I found the the cultural appropriation narrative was fascinating I'm so glad they included that Mm -hmm. but yeah I think this is a good example of where a narrator would have been really helpful because it was really scary to to watch that that woman and those experiences and i i wish they'd they'd you know had someone to really actually illustrate the seriousness of that because it was just seemed like it was really really downplayed yeah it was just glossed over overall in the scheme of these episodes potentially one of the better ones overall which is not yeah. a very high bar let's be honest but still <laughs> No, it's not, um, which
2: means that we've actually only got one episode left to to discuss, and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. This one will make me mad as well. Buzz, buzz. Um, but, yep, so we're talking about bee stings and bee venom therapy um, next week. So don't forget to tune in for that. And of course, because it's, it's our last episode of September, it's a five, five Tuesday month. It's a bonus episode. So please come and join us for that. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating because that's how people will find us. Tell your mates, tell your mum, tell the person who's thinking about taking ayahuasca um, <laughs> if you have questions or comments. And really, I'd be really, I really, you know, we say this every week, but I really want to hear what people think about about this, like I'm so intrigued, and particularly, you know, perhaps if you come from um a First Nations people, what tell us about what your experience is with cultural appropriation in wellness? I'd really like to hear that. So please, uh, please get you can get in contact with us on email in bad taste podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always come and see us on our socials. Pixie is at Pixie Nutrition and I am at Dr. Nikki Stamp. And of course, we will leave you references and relevant links in the show notes as always.
1: Wonderful. So, yeah, join us next week for the final episode in the series all about bee stings and how they apparently cure things that don't exist. It's going to be fun. We'll see you then. Bye. <laughs> Woo. Trippin'. Trippin' major ball sack. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do you not get that reference? No, what is that? Oh my god, you need to watch 21 Jump Street.
2: (laughs) How do we always wind up back with ball sacks?
1: (laughs) Harsh but true.